This is Building the Independent Economy podcast, the only series made for founders and teams building the companies that enable and empower independent workers. In each episode, I'll interview subject matter experts, founders, and leaders on the front lines building epic businesses. They'll share insights and actionable advice that your team can use to grow your company and win in the independent economy. I'm your host, Trent Bigelow, CEO and co-founder of Abound. Here's today's episode. Today's guest is Donald Hawkins. With a career that covers both media and technology, Donald applies a diverse mix of skills as the president and CEO of Kindly, a modern neobank unapologetically helping Black America build generational wealth by reclaiming its $1.5 trillion in annual economic impact and developing positive financial behaviors. A serial entrepreneur, Donald has held several leadership roles in ad tech, health tech, and nonprofits. Before leading Kinley, Donald founded Griffin Technologies. And in that role, he empowered small to medium-sized community banks, credit unions, and fintechs with contextual intelligence to better serve their existing and prospective customers. Donald, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Trent. Glad to be here. So first off, what inspired you to build Kinley? And can you talk a little bit more about its mission? Yeah, you know, Trent, 2020 was a crazy year for everybody, you know, and it impacted people in different ways. My wife and I found out that we were pregnant with our second child last January. So we started off the year on like an extreme high note. And everything after that was pretty much downhill, you know, from political strife, Kobe died, COVID-19, all the things. And May 25th, George Floyd was killed. And I was faced with a lot of questions internally. Man, why does this continue to happen, you know, in my community? And when I saw protests on TV, I knew a lot of the people in my local city that were protesting, and most of them were in their 20s. And it reminded me that I was in my 20s when I was protesting a similar incident, you know, with the Gina 6. And my father was also protesting something very similar in his 20s. And I realized that time wasn't on our side and that our generations, uh, year after year, we grow through these cycles. And now I'm in the phase of my life. I have a family, I have kids, and, and that's what my priority is. Whereas in my 20s, it was really focused on my friends. And, the, and that's a reason why so many of our pain points never seem to get solved. We just allowed them to go on. And I went to sleep that night selfishly thinking, man, can I do anything to make this world a better place before my son, you know, is born or when he's born? And I realized that, you know, there are multiple things that the community needed, you know, from education reform, housing reform, all these different things. And I realized that financial education and financial reform is maybe something that I could take a stab at. And I looked at a, a number of Neo banks, a number of incumbent banks that were out there just trying to figure out where could I fit, right? I had the the fintech play with community banks and credit unions, but that wasn't good enough. It wasn't really making the impact that I wanted. And I learned lessons from a lot of other underserved communities, the Jewish community and what they did with Goldman Sachs, the immigrant Italian community and what they did with Bank of Italy, and realized that Black America did not really have a neo bank that was focused on one of the most important things in our community, and that is building generational wealth. And that was the genesis of what started Kenley. So what intrinsic characteristics of our financial system that we're all in and in traditional banking industries, what about it has made it so unfair with Black America that, that Kenley is serving? Good question, Trent. I mean, I think the primary thing is that the foundation is shoddy, right? 
a lot of us don't even really remember or haven't learned how things started. Well, for Black America, a lot of our problems with America's financial system started with Freedmen's Savings and Trust. 1863, Abraham Lincoln, you know, signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And even though he was very happy that Black folks helped him win the Civil War, he didn't like them enough to allow them to bank with American banks. So his administration created Freedmen Savings and Trust, eventually expanded that to all of Black America. Well, that bank had an all-white board that could care less about the depositors and use depositors' funds to loan to entities like the KKK. So the bank did extremely poorly and brought in Frederick Douglass years later to become president. He invested $10,000 of his own money in the 1860s, mind you, and left a few months later and realized that they tried to get him to what he called uh, resurrect the corpse because of how difficult the times were for the bank. And a year later, the bank closed. Unfortunately, federal deposit insurance didn't get invented until many years later. And that was Black America's introduction to America's financial industry. So you think about that being the start of things with American banks and the way actuaries work within banks and decisioning happens with existing banks. You know, it's so tough for Black America. One, because we also don't have a lot of representation. You know, we, we see a lot of banks doing philanthropic things for the community. But when you take a look at these banks' boards, they don't look like us, right? And there's not even a need for me to go into all of the consistent statistics around, you know, who gets approved for what loans. I mean, we live in one of the most prosperous countries in the world. But yet, as of today, the end of 2021, you know, there are fewer Black homeowners now than there were in the 70s. You know, added on top of that, there are fewer financial institutions in Black neighborhoods. We tend to pay over $250 more than our white counterparts for a checking account. And let's not even get into the consistent check cashing, you know, scandals and things that happen consistently, typically in Black areas, too. I mean, so just all across the board, the Black community has been underserved and underbanked, and in many cases, unbanked because of a lot of these systemic issues. Yeah. I mean, again, being open and honest here from my perspective, like I don't even think about this. Like I obviously, I am among those in America that have the privilege of just having to not worry or think about some of this disparity. What would you want other founders in FinTech, other listeners who maybe are taking the system for granted? What are some other things you want them to be aware of that still need to be solved? And it's something that Kinley is obviously working on. 100% Trent. Well, you know, when you think about the way you, you decision customers, especially minorities, you've got to understand a little bit more context, right? Black America is one of the most educated communities in America, right? Because we were told that, hey, getting degrees is going to lead you to prosperity. What we were not told is that the debt was going to be definite, right? So to no one's surprise, we're also the most in debt community in America, right? You know, so when people apply for loans, like certain things are typically factored, right? Income and then also credit scores. Well, our community started off in a hole with both of those things. You know, we don't make as much from a wealth gap and with our jobs, you know, especially Black women. And then also our debt is higher, right? And then as we need to scale and grow in our careers and our life, our credit also tends to take hits just because we also haven't been taught, you know, how money works in this country. And that also is, is purposeful, right? You know, whenever I hear people talking about all the different lingos that we have in America for Wall Street and other entities, you know, where do you learn that? You know, do you learn that in high school, middle school, college, right? Where do you learn those terms? Are we really asking Americans 
to be forced to go to YouTube to figure out how money works. Because right now, that really is the only place most folks can go to try to figure out how it works. So when you think about decisioning or making decisions, you know, for these customers, find a way to factor in other features, other assets that you can look at as well. The other thing is too, understanding how inequitable things have been in our country for generations. We now have consumers, you know, in America that are now six, seven, eight generations in of seeing how things have always been done, right? And I feel the struggle has been something that has been praised for far too long in our community, right? You know, where it's okay at the end of one's life to then, you know, focus on the family going to platforms like GoFundMe, right? To help people pay for those final arrangements versus educating people on the importance, you know, and the benefits of life insurance, right? So I think there's so many different opportunities available because of the things that have not been done. And the community is ripe for that information. So how does this financial disparity affect African-American independent workers and entrepreneurs in particular? I mean, it all is interwoven, Trent. You know, you think about the way people run their business compared to also how they handle a lot of their personal finances as well. The struggle, the approval of hard work and grit and hustle culture, you know, is something that that we are forced to see on a pretty consistent basis. Had a recent conversation with a friend of mine that talked about how focused we are in America on independence, how, you know, we glamorize, you know, the struggle and the person working so hard and eating rice and beans. And then one day magic happens and boom, now they're the next millionaire. And we have generations of people who think that's the way things should be done versus so many other communities in other parts of the world. They focus on interdependence, right? How can I build collectively? How can I build with my family, my friends, my network and do things together? So for so many independent workers, you know, it's as much of the same, you know, uh, unit economics tend not to be on the side of independent workers when it's time for them to build businesses, access and affordable costs to advertise and grow their businesses, access to information on how to set up businesses, manage taxes are, are all things that are lost to most folks. Unless, again, they rely on entities like YouTube, you know, to give them some information. So I think, you know, those disparities play a larger role. Also, on top of that, having more debt as a consumer while also trying to manage a business, recruit against other large entities, you know, like the Targets, the Walmarts of the world, you know, for talent in this crazy day and age also makes things significantly more expensive. I don't even have to bring up healthcare and that additional burden, you know, that that brings on independent workers uh, too. So being Black and being a minority and also an independent worker makes things significantly tougher, for sure. So at Kinley, you're not just talking about like giving Black Americans access to the banking they deserve and products, but you're also talking, I hear you keep talking about financial literacy. So what do you think as far as like, you know, financial literacy for Black entrepreneurs, other, you know, Black independent workers, what do you feel like is specifically lacking in terms of financial education that, that you really think that they deserve? Yeah, and Trent, yeah, we definitely focus on more the education side versus the literacy, just because we believe literacy is something that you have to know it, right? You know, we've been systematically blocked from so many of these things. So the number one thing that we try to do from our side of the coin is really make sure people understand the representation that's involved, right? We kind of expect for, you know, folks to ignore all of the ugly things that we've seen and heard about America's financial system and go, great, no problem. Go to those same entities and they're going to teach you everything that you need to know, 
right? No, I mean, that's not the way it works. So trust is needed, right? So what we do from our side of things is we ensure that people recognize that they're represented, that we are unapologetically working for them. We're stewards. Our financial education is handled and managed in-house by our financial education director, Dr. Melody Robinson, right? And she's what we call a influencer. So a number of influencers on social media who've been working with people to kind of grow and build wealth independently. And a lot of them do so manually. With our platform, we partner with a number of experts that we call money mentors from a variety of different industries, commercial real estate, wealth building, credit, budgets, all the different things. And we record those tracks in the tone, brand and style that match the community versus what you'll find on YouTube, which is credit 101. To start, clear your desk and get a sheet of paper and get in the right mindset. Like that's typically what people can expect when they think about financial education. But our financial education, again, speaks to the heart of where things are in modern times, right? And we know that budgeting and money are very anxiety-driven things for a lot of people in the Black community. And we address those things head on. So people know that they're coming to a, a platform and a source that gets where they are and meets them where they are. So looking ahead, what trends are you seeing that you think will fundamentally change the financial services that are available you know, to Kinley's community? I think... There's so many options right now in financial services, and it's getting to a point where people are starting to realize, man, I'm logging into too many platforms. I'm using too many different types of services. And I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation where we've seen a number of platforms start off with a specialty and then eventually work their way backwards to a more uh, well-rounded fintech or neobank. And we've also seen neobanks now look to work with our third parties to pull in those additional features. So I think we're going to see a lot of super apps, essentially, become developed where customers are served, you know, through one platform. I know a a number of incumbent banks are also looking at a very similar process where, you know, I think recently we saw an announcement where Capital One is now no longer charging overdraft fees. They also recently started to provide early access to direct deposits, too. And a number of other banks are starting to follow suit. So I think money centers, you know, will be one of the most interesting trends in the very near future where people want services. They like the ease of use to being able to log into one company that they can trust and manage their money. Today's guest has been Donald Hawkins, co-founder and CEO of Kinley, working on a mission that every American should be aware of. Thank you so much for joining us today, Donald. Thanks so much, Trent. This was fun. Thanks for listening to Building the Independent Economy podcast, brought to you by Abound. For access to the latest episodes, links, and more about today's guest, visit our website at withabound.com slash podcast. If you're building tax or benefits features for independent workers, check out Abound, the easiest way to automate contributions for taxes, healthcare, retirement, insurance, and more. Have an amazing day and stay independent.